0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hockey fans, if you'd like a copy of my new book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to flankerpress.com. If you'd like a personalized copy for $25 plus shipping, email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. That's terryryan2020 at gmail.com. Hello. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year, Jingle Bells. White Christmas, whatever you want want to say. It's that time of year, the most wonderful time of the year. Look at that. I don't think so. It's a good time of year. I don't hate Christmas, but it's cold. Christmas was in July. It would be much more fun. There's enough going on in the summer, I guess. How the fuck is everybody doing? Um, It's good to be here. My guest this week, coming up in just a few days, is Blake Murphy, which I'm really excited about. Okay, Blake, in the sports media world, and of which I don't really consider myself a part of it. I mean, I guess I'm on the outside looking in. But I'm not on here every day, uh, breaking down game and giving analysis, right? But Blake First of all, Blake's from Newfoundland. His parents are anyway, Where's his father. I'll, I'll get into it. He's got roots here, and uh, I hear him on the fan. Okay, comes on now a show. I'm reading uh, the Fan Drive Time. I have heard him on there, but I hear him talking about the Jays. Uh, he's often guests. On other shows. I heard him on uh, thirty two thoughts the other day with Elliot Friedman and uh, Jeff Merrick. Anyway, this guy has a real knowledge of sports. I mean, he's an expert, it seems to me at all the four major North American sports and more. real interesting fella. and uh, for many reasons, I'm looking forward to chatting with him. i I uh, I must admit, I was listening to Thirty Two Thoughts, and he came on there. And I always figured he was interesting. I asked him about a year ago, but a lot of the media, you know, they're, they make for great guests. But I really feel bad asking them. Like Jeff Merrick has agreed; I think he'd be a fucking unreal guest, and he's agreed to do it. But every time, you know, it'll get to that time, and we'll <clears throat> get to like the scheduling week that I want to have him on, and. He's just bombarded, and and I feel bad doing that. That's why you'll notice sometimes I have reporters or members of the media on towards the summer because they're not as busy. But then, I mean, they're looking for some earner and want to relax, and I'm asking them to come on a podcast. So I don't think it's ever a great time for someone that covers so much sports. Uh, But anyway... I finally caved. I heard him at Christmas and uh, shot him a note and he agreed to it. So this guy is an extremely interesting guest. Take it from me. Some are interesting, some aren't. I just wouldn't say it. Some people have a knack for chatting, the gift of gab. And of course, if you host your own radio show, you're probably going to succeed in that department. So, uh, that's why I have Ken Reed back so much. First of all, he's a friend, but you know he's really well spoken and has an interesting thought process. But I mean, these people are seeing sports come down the middle. You know they're they're seeing sports come at them from all angles, all day, every day, even in hobbies. Right. A lot of these guys, they skate or play basketball on the side. Ken Reed collects hockey cards. Even in their relaxation time, they're often doing something that revolves around sports. Again, Ken Reed hockey cards comes to mind. Or Ken Reed writing books. It's not like he's writing books about fucking TV shows in the late 1960s that influenced millennials or, you know, the history of, Film noir in France, right? He's writing books about hockey or sports, you know. So a lot of, and by extension, I will say this. And after listening to, it was a great, great show. Actually, I listened to, you know, all the channels. Try to take in what I can. Thirty-two thoughts. Gets dated because it's thirty-two thoughts about a, you know, the NHL. Generally, 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 when Merrick and Friedman do it, but after like a week, they're aged, and I, I don't always have that, so I I don't get to every one of those. I listen to Overdrive a lot, but I mean, I work for Rashog and and uh, Strudwick on Got Your Back podcast in Edmonton, so I have to be kind of into. Well, I don't have to be, but I like to be in tune with. The network that I work for, right? I'm doing some work for TSN, in other words, in Edmonton. And even though it's Edmonton, I like to take in what the other, you know, what their peers have to say. So whether it's Craig Button or Gene Principe or, I don't know, O'Dog Dog or, you know, Brian Hayes, I try to listen to what I can. But a lot of, I got a lot of good friends at Sportsnet. And in the past, I've done some work at Sportsnet. Um, so that's why I mean I I'm a big Blake Murphy fan, so I can't wait to have him on. But uh, yeah, when it comes to Sportsnet, I uh, I love Thirty Two Thoughts. It's probably my favorite overall show on there that I can get in the podcast universe. But like I said, it gets dated, so I don't listen to everyone, especially if I'm backed up and in, in, in my own podcasts. That's the way it goes. Now, a few a few of you out there have asked me to do podcasts. So here it is. Here it is. I don't really say no. If someone's going to ask me, I, I feel privileged. It's an honor that you would consider me. Now, please, uh, how do I? But I can't get to them all, right? So I do, as you know, anybody listening to this knows that I get up. I get up. I uh doesn't really matter when I do it, but it, twice a week, normally, like right now, I'm doing this. at seven a.m. on a Tuesday, Newfoundland. I skate at twelve every uh, eleven or twelve every week at the same time. So I try to get on uh, this, uh, uh, you know, this particular one man show solo efforts that I do once a week. I usually do those Tuesday, and then on Thursday or Friday, I'll have a guest. And I'll use the Wednesday, maybe in the hockey in the dressing room today, like I'll bring my notepad. And uh, when we're hanging around. At the end of the skate, um, I'll, yeah, I'll I'll probably make some notes and do some light research on uh, Blake and his more specifics about his life, where he went to school. All those things, uh, and I'm looking forward to that. That that's my actually one of the questions this week is is to do with that. I don't know. Okay, this one comes. Uh, sorry, sorry. Um, simply, how do you plan your po- podcast from Gregory in British Columbia? I don't know what I was just talking about, but I guess I'll. I was uh, going down that road. So, oh, yeah, I was. I was talking about appearing on others. So I'll answer uh, both of those. Um, Appearing on other podcasts. I appreciate the invite, guys, but I'm like, so I barely have time to do my own, right? So after my own, and that's two hours, I guess you could say, three hours, I guess, on air a week. And you do a little bit. I mean, for these, I just turn on and start going. But, you know, for my guests, I like to have, even the guests I know, I like to have a bit of research done. You know, I mean, it's respect more than anything. Now, some, I can just turn it on and go, right? If I have, again, Ken Reed, that's an easy layup to Ransam with. There's no wonder they've come back. Uh, You know, even when I had Nasty Morasty, it was nice to do some research, but I, I could have kind of done that with none. Uh, and that's probably the case with a lot of my guests. Brad Lukowicz, Jason McDonald, recent guests. McIsaac. Um, McIsaac, I had to do a little bit. I wasn't quite sure being an American. and I've never actually played on his team. Um, Luco and, and McDonald, I could have done those. A- anyway, point is, some are harder than others. That's... Not a great way to put it harder. That's what she said. Uh, Some podcasts require more research than others, but that's only my own. Then I do Got Your Back podcast. And that requires a little bit of analysis because we're analyzing each game on there. Oilers Nation, for the most part. And we watch the game. So you got to kind of keep up on, and then we comment on it. So you got to keep up on the prospects, contracts, You know, game to game, you can't really take much time off. So I don't do every single show with them after every single game. But I watch each game and make sure that I know what's going on. So there's that. Then I got my, uh, you know, I'm I'm either... I have days on set each week, whether it's crew or acting or, or whatever it might be, stunts. I just finished a movie called Made to Kill. It'll be out on Lifetime soon. But So when those things happen, which is... All you Made to Kill was a little excessive. That was, you know, a lot of work. Twelve hours a day at least. Uh, a little more, I suppose. Um, and you're kind of tied up when you're, you know, I was a main character in that. But for the most part, like, I go to Hudson and Rex and I'll take crew days or background acting days uh, or, or whatever shows are going on locally. Made to Kill was here. There's Son of a Critch. Uh, There's surreal estate. There's a few things going on here. So there's that. Then I got my daughter. Normally, she's away now, but I got my daughter. I'm raising her here for the most part um, solo. So there's that. Um, And then I got the cameos, which, you know, I do probably five a week, at, at least that. So. You know, and you and those guys have a deadline to them and they pay pretty good. So like people laugh, but it really is part of my livelihood. So what I'm getting at here is that each week's packed. All I do, I get up in the morning and I plan my day around it. The things I do, other than the film stuff, which is set in stone, but like my podcast, Rashog's, we can kind of work out a time, you know, the next day after post game. Um with the things I'm writing, either the, the i am writing some short films and i'm writing helping a friend uh to write a tv show without getting into those things that takes some time so for me to go on a podcast it really is time out of the day i'll do it but i get to like i try to guest when i can i just did the produce uh, produce stand uh letter kenny podcast that was awesome so like i've said yes i got 30 in or so i i said yes Yesterday to a, to a guy I said, I'm starting a podcast. And I'd love to have you So realistic, I, I'll probably get there in three years from now. You know what I mean? Like, I probably can't. And no offense to anybody. But like if Sportsnet asks me to do one. And, you know, you asked me and you got six followers and you do it out of your mom's basement. I'm probably going to. I mean, I say yes, but I, I just can't get around to it. You know what I'm saying? And. You know, there's a point, I guess, I sound so fucking elitist, but there's a point that I have to take that into consideration because I can't do them all. I'm looking right now, I have more than two dozen I've said yes to. Right now, I won't, I understand what it's like to start fresh and and I know that I can help you out. I know that's why you're asking me. That's fine. I don't mind that, but you're asking me, so I'll, you know, help the podcast out. Now I was in that position, so I get it. But with limited time, right? I'm probably going to, you know, I I will make time to go on Jeff Merrick's show right now. It might happen only once or twice a year. Uh, but if an opportunity like Tim and Sid, well, Tim and friends now, Tim and Sid, when I did it a few years ago, uh, Something like that comes up, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, but I'll probably make time to get to that somehow. Again, that's like, I I consider that part of my work because I'm promoting whatever I'm doing. And if hundreds of thousands of people are listening to it as opposed to seven, then it just makes more sense. Now, if I have the time, 100%. Some local people around here that want that, you know, kill two birds with one stone often. So if you're from St. John's or you're from the area or you're even from Grand Falls or whatever, somewhere in Newfoundland, some small town and, you know, you're starting a podcast. That's the other thing. Like everybody can do it now. It's like YouTube. Everybody's a star. Everybody can do their podcast, do a podcast. So, you know, there's I I, I would think hundreds of thousands, millions of them out there. Um so a lot of people yeah a lot of people ask but yeah that's great like maybe on a friday right like often i'll go hey i'm going downtown for a few beers after hockey when i have a bite to eat usually on friday not saturday um contrary to popular belief i think people think i drink every day i mean every time i run into someone let's have a beer let's have a shot i'm like well generally i drink once a week that's the truth uh Christmas is totally different. I'm going to get fucking bamboozled three times this week, but you know what I'm saying. But anyway, I will meet people on that. I've often done that. Go down, have a bite, to eat at green sleeves or Merchant Tavern or whatever. Have a few beers. Someone will bring a little mic, interview me. Boom! I've done your pod. I've killed three birds with one stone. That's great. Um, but anyway, some people get back to me and they're upset. Come on, Terry, you said you'd do it. I know, I did. You know, there's two dozen in front of you, and I'm trying to get to all of them. I have my own podcast, I guess, on others. And again, you've got seven followers. Um, It's just priorities, but I, I, I do usually get to them. I'm not kidding when I say it takes, it often takes years. Won't name these people, but, you know, I've got two dozen to do, and there's at least six on this list that I said yes to almost two years ago. Anyway, I, uh, so I do appreciate the interest and in everything, guys. I just can't get to all of them, and i uh, got to remind people, I guess. Uh, how do I plan my podcast? Uh, to get back to the original question, um, yeah, I, I have all, so I have all kinds of people that get a hold of me and either have an idea for a guest or they want to be a guest. I suppose the timing has to be right. And I generally know, like right now, I have five. I have likely the next five weeks right here looking at me. I got my phone out. I'll make a note to myself. Guests, you know, just make a folder. And uh, timing, right? Uh, Some some of them might have a book coming out. I said Matthew Barnaby. Matthew Barnaby was going to be on last week. Now he's going to come on this week. Or sorry, he was going to come on this week, but I want to finish his book. And I gave it away in the room and there's none here. There's none on the island. They're sold out. So as soon as I finish that, because, you know, his book just came out and it's kicking ass, I'll have him on. Or um, there's there's often reasons someone's promoting something. Or sometimes I just like to have a chat, right? Which has been the case three of the last four guests. Um, how do I plan it? I'm guessing, like, how do I do the whole thing? So whatever my guest is, I flip open the paper and I do the intro first. You know how I do the intro. There's a paragraph and then there's a few things about the guest that rhyme maybe or alliteration. And then a few rhymes, you know. I I try to do a lighter kind of an intro that does detail a little bit about the guest, right? So that's first. Then I write out some obvious questions. Not always a lot of questions, because I find if you ask the right questions, it's a trickle down effect. Like, uh, I think that's a financial term, but trickle down effect in that more questions come out of that umbrella. So, I don't know, an easy one if I was to ask someone, you know, where they were born, they might go into a little bit about their childhood and then. I could go, oh, only child like myself, you know, um, how did you find, you know, I guess for myself, I could identify with that and say, you know, my friends became my brothers. Christmas was a unique experience, me and just my parents and go on and on and on about things about being an only child. But see, that will derive from the original question, where were you born? So often it's something easy. If it's something, if someone's accomplished a lot, you know, I don't know, they've won a Stanley Cup like Luco. I mean, what was it like to win the Stanley Cup? I find a really generic, shitty question to ask someone. There's probably a more specific way to do it, individual. You know, there's different ways to articulate what you want to say. I'm still new at this, by the way. Not really new-new, but it's not like I have a boss that... Hockey Podcast Network are great, but they've never once told me what to say or what to do, what to talk about. No one corrects me. I don't answer to anybody. Which is good from a perspective of freedom and to do what you want. But it's not really to improve unless I listen to my own podcast, which I do not didn't for the longest time. I honestly cringe listening to, uh, to my voice. Listening to these solo ones, I really fucking cringe. But I have to listen to a lot of them because otherwise I won't get any better. Um, and it's real obvious to me when I play it back, the areas I need to improve on, it still happens. Rambling is number one. I ramble a lot, but these solo missions kind of take care of that. Like I often said to you, like anxiety is often the way you harness the energy. So I know that I ramble and, uh, too much you know it takes me a long time often to get to an obvious point that could be a sentence uh ever ever watch the good the bad and the ugly or a lot of clint eastwood westerns like he's a man of few words but when he speaks you listen a good captain would be like that jesse wallen those old western league fans great hockey player world junior captain i believe now that we're in the world junior season i'll get to that in a minute but uh Jesse was like that. He, he didn't say a lot, but when he spoke, it was succinct. It was to the point. He articulated it well, whereas it would take me probably half of warm-up to get to the same thing. I'll be in the room talking a lot, doing this, constantly rambling, bringing up the game, what we got to do to win, how each player's feeling. Hey, boys, maybe get a, a story out of somebody. Make some coffees, go around to the boys, you know, how you doing? Like, get it. I like getting there real early and having a personal kind of chat with each and every player on the way in. That's just the way I do it. It's the way I've always done it, which can be beneficial. But my point is, I guess I learned that through anxiety, and I don't know if it's ADHD or nor do I care. Uh, I guess a little bit of. Is eccentric the word? I don't know what it is. But if I harness the energy the right way, and in this case, just turning on the fucking computer and press and record, uh, you know, and people listen and like it, then I'm taking that negative energy, the anxiety, and I'm I'm immediately making it positive energy, right? So this works for me now. So I know I'm going to ramble on these ones, so I don't really plan much. All I've got today is those is the question I just said, and I want to talk about Zach Dean, his hit last night in the Canada game in the World Junior. So um, and I guess a little bit of World Junior, but so that's it. So do I always have all these questions planned? No, I do have ten or twenty there always in case. I rarely, rarely get to all of them. I rarely get to say a quarter of them. Uh but usually the things that I wanted to ask will come out in other questions. Uh, and also those rapid-fire randoms that I do at the end, those are a bit of a laugh, but sometimes it can draw something out of somebody, like a story, like, you know, the hardest you've ever been hit or hidden hidden, what the fuck? The hardest you've ever been hit, say, body checked or punch you've taken or whatever and i've asked that to a hockey player it often spurns maybe another story or a relatable story uh so the rapid fire randoms aren't always out of nowhere half about half half of them are they're just off the top of my head you know to be honest sitting at night uh watching tv smoking a joint maybe and uh Honestly, sometimes it just relates to what I'm watching on TV. It could be the Looney Fucking Tunes, and I do watch that. <laughs> oh. Senior uh, Senior loves Yosemite Sam, and I gotta say, of all the cartoons, fucking Looney Tunes are so old, aren't they? Like the they're, they're I don't know if they're the first cartoons. I think that was Mickey Mouse, which kind of is. I guess, Looney Tunes, right? But without getting into the fucking history of cartoons, Bugs Bunny, whatever it is, Looney Tunes, you know, the Bugs and Tweety show, whatever you want to call it. That, to me, still holds up. It's fucking still funny, man. Like, what's Buddy's name that chases... Oh, Elmer Fudd. Elmer Fudd. Foghorn Leghorn, if you don't know what I'm talking about. Check out Foghorn Leghorn. Senior doesn't mean Foghorn Leghorn. And uh, who else? Donald Duck I find funny. But Elmer Fudd. Oh, Foghorn Leghorn and Yosemite Sam. They're my top three. Uh, legit funny. How did I fucking get there? Uh, anyway. And so I, I do once in a while. I'll toss on when I got the DVDs, right? But you can now you can just get everything on YouTube. But I still like watching the DVDs once in a while uh i like it like i like i watch it like i watch seinfeld honestly or or uh cheers a lot of those old comedies i bring up seinfeld a lot cuz i didn't find a lot of sitcoms funny like people loved steve urkel i thought that was the stupidest show such stupid humor um i liked cheers in retrospect i like mash when i was a kid and mash was on tv i had no idea what it was about i thought it was really serious There's, and it is it's deals with a lot of drama but it's a i, I think you would call it a sitcom it's as comedy i guess a bit of both very serious issues mash was a great show but i didn't realize that at the time so it's probably mash cheers you know one of every 10 shows uh like growing pains, I didn't really find that funny. I was I was young, and I like to watch it. I suppose. Family Matters, Alex P. Keaton, Michael Michael J. Fox, you know, or no, no, not Family Matters. What was that one? Family Ties, Family Matters was Steve Urkel. You know, they're all cutesy. I don't really find them side splittingly funny, and on when you rewatch them now, they're almost dated. I find Seinfeld is as funny as ever. Uh, And I'm just kind of going at comedies here. Arrested Development is my holy grail of comedies. Um, You know, Letter Kenny Now, I I guess, if you want to call that a sitcom. But anyway, they are few and far between, but I still watch the ones I really like. A good comedy doesn't doesn't always or it ages well okay that's the word I think you know you still watch even even stand up man George Carlin and, and Richard Pryor if you don't know what I'm talking about check those guys out man they're still fucking funny and and their comments on society are still relevant uh it's why I like Bill Burr and Chris Rock I find what they say is funny but it's also a lot of it comes from a place of observation. Right, rather than what's the deal with airline peanuts, you know, and that can be funny because I find Jerry Seinfeld really funny as a stand-up comedian. Like everything he does is an eight out of ten. But when Bill Burr or Chris Rock or Roland, lots more, but they're my two favorites of today. There's lots just right under right under them, but they're the Mount Rushmore to me right now of, of what we watch and of all time, it would probably be for me, George Carlin, definitely is George Carlin, Uh, Richard Pryor would be up there. I know I'm forgetting somebody fucking massive that I like, but, uh, yeah, there you go. But therefore, anyway, if if I only watched Carlin Pryor, Bill Burr, and Chris Rock, I would be content. Um, Seinfeld is my favorite comedian that stays away from any cursing or swearing or whatsoever. I mean, he's pretty much a clean comedian. You're talking Canadian. I got to add Jerry D, not just because I worked for him, but and did comedy with him. I mean, I opened for Jerry at multiple places across Canada. That was wild. But when I saw Jerry live, well, I can understand why he packs four and 5,000 people in, you know, to these stadiums across Canada Um, and and I think he does some United States stuff too but anyway Jerry D if you haven't heard of him he's got a great stand up uh, act and Jesus I forgot um, to mention a couple here so I just press pause and I said I got it yeah I mean I like Dave Chappelle I didn't think what he did on Saturday Night Live was too bad at all I mean he made a couple of comments that were cringy but I don't know. I found it funny. And I, you know, people are quick to to jump down the throats of comedians. It's fucking comedy. I, I would think anything goes. That's why I like those roasts. Ever watch those Comedy Central roasts? I mean, fuck. But that's the way it is. Everything, anything goes. It's comedy. It's hit or miss. Like, they they're not up there trying to give their, I mean, sometimes it's observational, like I just said. But still. It's opinion, and, you you know, don't go see it. That's the thing. I, I could see if it was the government put in mandatory fucking podcasts that you had to listen to. That's a little bit authoritarian, but it's not. You can just tap in and tap out to these things. So who gives a fuck what people have to say? If you don't like it, don't listen. But don't cancel them, like, for fuck's sakes. Oh, Louis C.K.? Now, there's a fucking name because... He got in a bit of trouble, I think, for exposing himself or whatever. But again, I I hope he didn't cause too much. What's the word? I I don't even know his. I I, I don't think his situation is is quite. It came out during the Me Too. I believe he exposed himself. Might have jerked off in front of people. or what? I don't even know if they were men or women. I guess I should. I'm just sick of it all. Everybody getting fucking canceled. And I find Louis C.K. pretty funny. And he's touring now. So I guess some people must have forgiven him. I don't know. Is he going around jacking off in people's faces? I don't think. I don't seem insensitive, but I, I find him funny, and you know that's it. Um, Robin Williams, I found funny. He's right there in that upper. Uh, like he he's right there. I don't think he's on the Mount Everest though. I liked Rodney Dangerfield. Fuck, he was funny in his own. Those were just one-liners, but uh, Wanda Sykes actually. She's pretty good, I gotta say. Um, uh, reading down the list, I'm sure there's more. I'm sure there's more, right? The the great Andy Kaufman. I didn't find him that funny, but a lot of people did. Jim Carrey, of course, great actor, but uh, you know, a lot of people forget he's he's decent at stand-up. Bill Cosby can go fuck himself. That guy should be canceled. Um, you know, some of it's legit, right? But uh, Sarah Silverman, actually. She's pretty good. Mitch Hedberg is one of my favorites. Check that guy out. Um, I literally stole one of his a couple of his lines. Um, I don't tell people the day I when I grabbed the hot sauce I'm sure most of you know that story and rubbed it in this fellow's eyes in junior I was 14. I grabbed it from a restaurant really close to the arena. The players didn't really know I did it. I remember that day, though. I didn't use hot sauce. I believe it was Tabasco. It was in that kind of a bottle. So it stands out to me. But I remember saying... I was trying to be smart in front of the guys, and it said, any breakfast, any time. That's what it said on the wall going in. So when the waiter came over, I I can't remember, I said, like, I'll have... Uh, an Egg McMuffin during the Renaissance, say, right? And the guy's got a little giggle out of it. The guy serving me actually was pissed off. This was a tough town, and I think he wanted to scrap me. But that is a Mitch. He- I don't know if Mitch Hebert... I, whatever, if that's Mitch's line, then I, I changed it up a bit. Oh, I'll have a... Um, I don't know, a breakfast sandwich from Burger King during the Ice Age, whatever. But I just subbed one in for the other. That's a Mitch he- 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 Hebert... And there's more of those. He's... Stephen Wright. I don't know if you guys know him. He's dry, um, dry humor. Y- usually, kind of one-liners that throw you one way, and then deliver another. Kind of every single line that these guys say tends to be a joke, right? There's not much. There's not much chatting or audience interaction, really, you know, they're not there to tell you a story and then you laugh at the end. Like, that's kind of what I do, right? I am I, I still don't even really consider myself a comedian, but I do get up once in a while. But I'll tell a story. So if you're like, my, my pet peeve is people, I had to do one a few years ago in, uh, I guess it was last year, in Halifax, and I did it at like a sports bar, like a, an old Don Cherry's type of a place. And they were still serving. It's It was horrible. I, I could feel it. That's happened twice, and I will never, ever do it again. So I get up on stage, right? And there's a mic. Now people are eating their food, right? There's music on. Not loud, but there's music on, as there would be in a sports bar. There's TVs everywhere. There's people distracted. Some people are there to eat wings. Some were there to see me. But even the ones that are there to see me, given the atmosphere, when in Rome. So, you know, there's like a buzz in the place. And I'm trying to tell not only comedy, I'm telling a story. So if you miss the first part, the end isn't going to make any sense. And I can when I can tell that 90% of the people in there are missing most of the parts, it's really hard. It's, it's really, really hard. So you know what I start doing? I just litter it with F-bombs because it kind of gets people's attention. F-bomb is a cheap way to get a laugh. Pitcher, now some people do it really well. Chris Rock does it really well. But if Chris Rock wasn't swearing, it wouldn't be as funny. Pitcher, anything you've heard by him, wouldn't quite be as funny. Uh, And that's just his style. But some people really lean on the fucking F-bombs. And that's obvious too. And that's low-hanging fruit. But if I'm in a place like that and that's what it takes, I'll do it. Uh, contrary to popular belief, most of the stories that I'm telling, I'll tell it on here with, uh, with cursing and swearing at it. But a lot of the, you know, if I'm in a place like that, you know, um, or I'm giving a speech often, like, you know, to a junior team or something, it's not always little littered with F-bombs. And sometimes it's not comedy and it's not a, a story. I, 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 I'm there to talk about what is a story, maybe kids futures or something. So when I'm on, I I don't put myself in these categories of of comedians. Oh God, of course not in that category. I mean, (laughs) these are the best comedians ever that I'm talking about. I mean, I don't put myself in, in a, I consider myself a public speaker periodically. Just got, for example, just got back from rapid city, South Dakota. Well, that was a month ago, but still, uh, going to idaho soon yeah i'm sure comedy will come out of it at some point right interacting but i'm just going to go there and talk about a few hockey stories usually people want to hear a story or two out of the book i've got uh i don't know if i'll ever get to a third book given the there's a lot of reasons why but i definitely have half of it written and those are anecdotal stories that people like to hear people ask me i'm if, if I'm writing another book, I guess kind of, but I'm always writing stories. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pre-game money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win how many goals will be scored and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets. If they do only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And you know what? I might as well tell you a story. You want an example of a story that's in my next book. I'll tell you about it. So the, the, here's how it goes. Now, And then we'll, I guess, get to the, uh, quickly get to my one of my thoughts on Zach Dean's hit with Team Canada. It is a hockey podcast. Um, Fuck, man. I don't even, I ramble and I, I don't know where it started. I hope this is all still making a bit of sense for you guys. Thanks for tuning in, by the way, because I can't promise that I would be at this point just hearing one person ramble. Now for that, I will say Bill Burr has the best podcast. Bill Burr gets on there. um, The Monday Morning Podcast. You you guys check it out if you haven't. Uh, Great comedian, but he just flips on his bike. I mean, I'm not trying to do what he does. I do it for a different reason, but I do love the way he conducts. This guy is always thinking, it seems to me, we, we have a lot in common. He's way funnier. But uh, there's a guy, you know. He, he's probably my favorite because, you know, he's he's got F's for family. I don't know if people realize that on, on Netflix. Bill Burr's in Breaking Bad. Like, he can pull off the, you know, he's a good actor. Uh, but I just think his takes on, oh, there's another one. I like Bill Burr and I like Bill Maher now. Those on the right are going to snap when I say I like Bill Maher, but I find him right in the middle, man. He calls out both sides. That's what I love about Bill Burr. Fuck, man, like, you know, I'm not a far right. I'm not a far left. I don't fucking think the election is stolen. I, fuck, man, like I would have voted. I loved John McCain. He's like my favorite politician. He was Republican. I would have voted for him if I, it's all hypothetical because I'm not American. But these are the big, you know, American politicians. Now, at the same time, Uh, you know, being that he, I thought found him logical, I find a lot on the right now completely fucking cuckoo but it's the same thing the other way on the left, I mean all these people woke and being it's kind of where I started here, you know, being cancelled for shit that happened three fucking decades ago or like Bill Burst says, you know, we're calling out John Wayne now, who was born in like 19 fucking 10 right, who died in the 70s You know, what are we doing digging up shit on people? It was a different world. It was a fucking different world. Like, again, stealing another line from Bill Burr, but everybody thinks they're high and mighty, and they look at the past and say, whoa, you know, I would have been, you know, just like I am now. No, you fucking wouldn't. You probably would have shut the fuck up, or you would have your head lopped off. I'm not, you know, I'd like to think, you know, I wouldn't be down with some of the gross things that happen with witchcraft or fucking burning people at the stake or slavery or whatever it is. And by slavery, I don't mean just like recent uh, slavery in North America. Slave slavery. Listen to Dan Carlin's podcast. Uh, Dan Carlin's hardcore history. His he's a great two or three hour special on slavery. It's been going on forever, right? And it's fucking horrible. But it's probably happening somewhere now. Where are you? You fucking, you know what I mean? There's people out there that are holier than now. It's happening somewhere. You're just loving your life. And you're not going to get involved. Right? Jesus, people that go, well, if I was born in 1870, well, maybe. I mean, how the fuck do you know? And how would you have been born? You're born now. So it's a hypothetical. Can't It doesn't exist. Is, is, are all those things bad? Is murder bad? Is dropping the fucking atomic bomb bad? Yes, it's all bad. Rape is bad. Fucking pillaging, murder, manslaughter. I don't know. There's all kinds of really things that are bad. But we're humans, and our past is fucking littered with it. I don't know. A couple of those guys on Mount Rushmore, didn't they have slaves? So what the fuck? But I guess you look past it to a degree, when you take into account when these things happened and what the way of the world is. People think we're living in this perfect time now. We're going to look back on this in 100 years, and people are going to go, what the fuck was going on? Now, I don't know exactly. It'll definitely be, I guess, some things race-related, but I'm, I'm I just going to that because that's, that's kind of the worst you know, and the, the most relevant, worst thing in the past that we can think of, but there's more than that I like to think of the dark ages where you just someone in power didn't like somebody and could just claim that they're a witch or a wizard and fucking get them decapitated you know uh, you know, a lot e, a lot of atrocities, man just, I'm, I'm trying to think of a time in history that it wasn't the case and I can't Humans, there's something real fucking bad associated with every era. Humans can achieve so much positively and negatively, and sometimes it's a fucking hairline. Like, look at Hitler. He had all those people under his thumb. If he was good, so much good could have happened. But he was one of the most evil minds in the history of the world as we know it. Now, if I see a German now and his fucking grandfather was alive and supported Hitler, I don't fucking hold it against him for fuck's sakes or her. It fires me up. I'm talking about it. Anyway, point is, I guess, I think the far right is nuts and I think the far left is fucking nuts. And I do think a lot of people are like myself that fall somewhere in the middle and just want to hear people of both sides Or, or, you know, you just want to hear the straight shit. And I do find that Bill Maher, of course, he would probably label himself as a Democrat. But his show is great because he has both sides on. They have awesome chats. Chats, conversations. That's the only way the ball can move forward. And there's a lot of conversations that aren't happening right now. If they were, I respect politicians. I never considered myself and I still don't. Like, to just blindly follow a party. That would be stupid. No, to just blindly follow. And for every, I don't know, MAGA fan out there that's misinformed, but there are people on the right that probably have a good overseas, you know, foreign affairs economy. Those are things that they tend to stand for. And you don't even hear about that because all the nut jobs, same thing on the left. There are things, I mean, I, if there's one thing Donald Trump did do, I mean, I think he did a lot for infrastructure, but you don't even hear about that because you're going to hear about, you know, something fucking crazy that is clickbait and the same shit on the left. I don't give a fuck who Hunter Biden is. That doesn't really even matter. Right. But that's all you'll hear his laptop, his laptop. Boys, what's going on with the fucking, you know, how are we doing on foreign affairs here? Or I'm kind of getting boring, but you, you know what I'm getting at. So I like people that are observational, that can just tell it like it is, that are honest. And uh, you don't usually find that in politics lately. Sadly, sadly, you're finding it on the comedy channel. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> uh, anyway, here's the story. Okay, so here, for example, this probably will be in my next book. Um, those of you, if you're in Canada... If I say Jim Cuddy, I'm I'm guessing you know who I'm talking about, okay? So he's one of the founders. Excuse me one sec. There we go, a little bit of my one-hitter. So... Jim Cuddy is, and if you don't, if you're listening to this and you don't know who Blue Rodeo is or who they are, um, do yourselves a favor. What's my favorite Blue Rodeo song? Uh, Till I Am Myself Again. I love that. Rose-colored glasses. Um, If uh, it could happen to you. Oh, God. Five Days in May. I I could really go through a lot of Blue Rodeo songs. I like, come on. They've had some nice recent songs. Candace. Really, really, I could go down. I, I love them. They're they're full of melody and harmonies, and uh, it's my favorite kind of music. Um, if you like, I, I guess you'd say classic rock, but it's a little bit more than that. They're instruments. They're, they're all really, really great musicians. Jim Cuddy and Greg Keeler are the two frontmen, and they started it back in uh, around 1980. Jim's a good friend of mine. He wrote the forward to my to my first book. One of the forwards, he wrote one and Aaron Ashton wrote the other, but uh, Jim's always been great to me. He actually brought up writing a second forward because uh, I, I didn't know books could have two forwards, but he just said, you know, this might, we were at a hockey tournament and he said, "This might help." You know, Aaron Ashton was a hockey player, but I'm a musician. It might show that you're a little bit well-rounded. And he came up with that at this hockey tournament we go to. It's every spring. It's called the Summit of Arts Exclaim Cup. It's it's an awesome time. It's a tournament that's put off for the arts community. Um, so if you're in Canada, I remember. Well, Sloan, great band. They have a team there. The hip uh, used to used to have a team there. Tragically, um, we we would go as Republic of Doyle, um, the TV show that I kind of got my start in this industry, and it was on crew. But Alan Hocko, the lead singer's my my or the guy who played Jake Doyle, my good friend, kind of kind of got into it through that. He would use me for a ringer in these tournaments. And uh, he wasn't lying because I was working on crew and stuff. So it's not like he went outside the box. Anyway, we'd have a lot of fun. So this tournament, it goes off. It's like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday, I think, is the championship. You go downtown in Toronto and everybody gets up for a half hour if you want. You normally do and and either sings or puts on some kind of a show. Again, it's arts community uh, at the Horseshoe, famous place that the Stones played at. Uh, So I can say I played The Horseshoe with Chris Ryan, one of my guests on here a year ago. We called ourselves the Divine Ryans, and I can't play, but I can sing. So uh, Chris did a few of his own songs. Um, And congrats, by the way, to Chris. He's an awesome new CD out. We'll have him on soon. That really climbed the charts. and it was like up on the country charts in Canada. Anyway, and he knows what songs are in my wheelhouse. So we went up and we did a half hour. That was a lot of fun. So I always stay... you. (laughs) Usually stay for a day or two. So on one of the days I stayed, Jim invited me downtown to watch his wife, Rena. She was in a two-person play, and it was about Chekhov's um, letters. So Chekhov. So Anton Chekhov, okay, so he lived in the late 1800s around the time of the industrial revolution he was russian he wrote plays he wrote everything i believe but as i understand it he was a playwright more than anything and during his life i mean he was real famous More famous as time passes, some of his works I'm not really that familiar with, but I know he's real respected. I could have gone that route. I remember in uh, when I did English in school and I chose Shakespeare. I made a few courses left, and I could have gone. There was one on Chekhov in particular. Anyway, but I know who he is. So this play, now Chekhov, while he lived, had this mistress, okay? And it was a very passionate love. Um, he wasn't very open about it, but he was to some to some people. And when he passed away, they found a bunch of letters to this mistress. So in this play, again, wasn't a Chekhov play. It was about Chekhov and his mistress. And each, you know, it, 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 the, the actor playing Chekhov would... You know, right? It, it was a lot of meta going on, but he 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 would read some of his works, you know, to her, and then so a lot of Chekhov's actual writing that he didn't intend because they were written to his mistress were in this play. It was genius, right And Rena played the mistress and uh, so I didn't really know all the context because it would take you to like parts of Chekhov's life that were probably more or well noted. And I didn't really know what those were. I just knew he was a famous playwright. But anyway, so this was in a bar on Queen Street, I believe, in Toronto. So it was, I I thought we were going to some auditorium, but it was, it was a bar and it was long kind of, it was a long corridor type of a bar. So I like, think like a yeah, like a long corridor, you know, like a a subway car kind of shape more than a big auditorium. So, they had seats, three rows of seats. I don't know, I'm going, maybe 30 might be much. You always assume there's more, but it was like that, right? Three rows, I don't know, 15 to 30 seats in each, each row. And then at the very end, there was an exit, whatever. So, Jim and I went in and he invited me to this and I I mean, I met Rena, his wife, but I wasn't chummy with her. Um, this is probably 2014, maybe 2015. Around then, I I could be off by a year, but it's around then. And so it was a real privilege. And again, Jim is a great guy. I, I the first few times we hung out, I was in awe, but. Jim plays hockey with us. You know, he he shows up in Newfoundland. We get a stall for him here in one of the rinks. Uh, Jim is now, yeah, I mean, he's like a locker room kind of buddy. I I don't think of him like that. But I still really respect him and look up to him. and won't want to piss him off in public. So anyway, we walked in, and where we were sitting was in the middle of the second row. So we... You know, if I wanted to get up and leave, I would have had to walk over people. So I went over and made sure. I made sure that I took a whiz. I also made sure I had, I think, a glass of wine, but I really... Because I already had a decent buzz on going in there. We came from dinner. So I I was really sipping. And the reason is because I didn't want to keep having to get up and go piss. That's why I didn't want a beer. So I figured if I have this glass of wine, I don't drink a lot of wine. I can sip on it and get through the play and maintain my buzz. This is what I'm thinking. So, which was logical to me. I I think it sounds logical to you. Uh, I turned off my phone, right? I said, this isn't going to happen. So I'm not, my phone's not going to come on. I don't have to take a piss. Now, unless I fall asleep and start snoring, which is not going to happen, I can't really obstruct this play. So anyway, the thing starts. Again, we're right in the middle in like the second row. Great seats. And uh, it's getting, like, these actors are pouring their hearts into it. <laughs> There's tears on both sides. The audience, you can hear people. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is a wildly, for me, unexpected visceral performance uh you know this is really before i was an actor act like right before i started acting and i remember thinking to myself holy shit like i could i could never do this so because i just gotten in like i said the industry i might have done a stunt or two i might have had slight asp- aspirations but i was more than anything a crew crew guy locations and set dressing and uh it just blew me away it it, it just fucking blew me away so anyway I'm sitting there. I'm doing pretty good. We're, I don't know, we're probably a half hour in at this point. Mary, you can hear a pin drop, man. Uh, I cross my legs and I sit back, okay, and I I fold my arms. So my, my, my one leg is crossed over the other. I fold my arms in on each other. I'm really into it, man. I'm really into it. There's tears. I don't fucking know much about checkoff, and I know there's tears. I remember that. So it was really fucking moving. Now, what do I do when I fold my arms? I inadvertently turn my phone on. I hit the power button. So now I feel it. Mm-hmm. I can feel the vibration. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, oh my God, 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 oh my god. Oh my god, oh my god. I know it's going to turn on and I know it's going to give me the notifications. I also know I've got friends, hockey buddies. Sandman was there. trans Sam with fucking Hako who I went up there with. Francis Mooney, my buddy. People on my team. People I'm meeting. Um, It is like so I know that the phone is about to go off because that's what happens at, at least to my phone then when it turned on. So I'm thinking, oh fuck. Now I take it out as I try to turn it off, I know what's going to happen, and the screen comes on. So now everybody there can see that I'm on my phone, and it starts fucking beeping. It starts beeping for every message. So I don't know, eight or nine maybe. I'd be exaggerating more than that, but it wasn't – like it was more than five. <laughs> right? Ding, 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 vibration, ding, vibra- And where I took my phone out to turn it off, it looked like I was on my phone. So not only did I disrupt everything, everybody's looking – Ruin the fucking mood. My phone is going off. It's horrible. It's horrible. And I'm trying to turn it. I'm sorry. I'm trying to turn it off, but it's still in the process of starting. So it's not. So it looks to anybody else in there. Again, I take the fucking thing out to turn it off and I'm looking at it. So my, it gives the impression that I want to be on the fucking thing and I don't. So I'm freaking, I'm freaking. I don't even want to look at Jim. Literally, his wife is putting the performance of a lifetime. She's crying on stage in the middle of a scene with Anton fucking Chekhov. I take the phone and I fire it over against the, the door is open. It's it's so hot. It's the doors open. And I'm like, if I could just the the, the the way of the door, like there was kind of stairs. Going, so I figured if I just threw it out, it would either smash or it would be so far gone that you wouldn't hear it anymore. But of course it hit the goalpost or it hit the side of the door goalpost the way I was looking at it. I'm like, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God. So I had to edge through people as the phone's going off. Now it takes me like two minutes to get out past all these knees. I'm in the middle, right? Three rows. It's dark in there. People are fucking crying. All they know is that I've just, my phone went off and I threw it and it didn't smash. It's broken. I wish it just broken, but it didn't smash and go off. So anyway, I go over. I'm fucking mortified. I'm mortified beyond belief. And it's still, there. there's on the way over like two messages because people are relentlessly at me. It couldn't be any worse. It's like, you know, evening on a vacation to Toronto with a bunch of people waiting for me. So anyway, I finally get over there. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back, but I get over there. Do I? What do I do? The phone's still going off. I took the phone and I threw it. I pitched it out that door like a frisbee 300 fucking feet. If it fucking threw it an inch, it was gone. Gone. You could hear it beep beep. And it just went. It just went over a couple of trash cans into a fucking, uh, into a parking lot. And now I'm thinking I need my phone, but that's embarrassing. So I go to go back in and. There's only dim lights. I can't see everybody, which is worse. I know they can see me the way the light is. And I'm standing in the door. And as I look in, it's just kind of a sea of blackness. And I'm like, fuck this. So I went out and got the phone and I was going to just leave. I was going to leave. And then when I got the phone, I realized, fuck, first of all, my jacket is inside. And second, Jim's my friend. I can't do this. As bad as it is, I have to go face up. Like, I gotta, I gotta go and deal with this. I have to confront it head on. I, 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 I Pushing it, kicking the can down the road and never addressing this is only going to be worse for my anxiety and everything else. So I went back. Now this time I took the phone, of course, which is now broken, but it still worked. The screen's all fucked. I took it over, I turned it off again, and I laid it outside to come and get laid. I, I didn't want that happening again. So i uh hit it outside i went back in and anyway it was embarrassing getting back to my seat just just that part of getting up if the phone didn't go off just the part of getting up was disrupting to the show and anyway i guess i don't know how much longer it was but i remember just sitting there wanting to dig a hole and jump in just thinking what can i do like, it's a good thing no one anywhere near me had major drugs. I I for sure would have resorted to them. I was like, I was the most embarrassed I've been. So the lights come on, I can see Jim. Jim's one of the nicest people I know. I've never really, other than on the ice where he chirps a little bit and he gets into it, but even then he laughs after the game. I haven't really seen him really upset. Well, I've seen him upset, but he deals with it usually in a fairly comedic laid back, aw shucks kind of a way. And I could see him grinding his teeth. And he will probably deny this, but I saw it. I know what it's like to look at someone that you've looked up to for so long and see that look of disgust. Well, put it this way. He was grinding his teeth. He didn't even realize it. So he looked, he was grinding his teeth. So need I say more? Yeah, have those who do know Jim Cuddy. Picture him grinding his fucking teeth. It's hard, isn't it? Because you don't see him grinding his teeth. But I was grinding his teeth. And then the show ended. <clears throat> I, I can't remember, but there were members of Rena's family there. And afterwards, you know, the post-fucking-play, whatever it is, you know, drink and, and, and talk. And I was hoping people would laugh or 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 address it and say, I oh, don't worry about it. But they acted like it didn't happen. And everybody knew that it did happen. I know it happened. They know it happened. It was obvious it happened. It was crazy. It ended up being the most memorable thing of the play, which kills me. But it was. So, anyway, we ended up... Yeah. They all went to another spot, and I remember there was a bite to eat involved. And we sat down. And to their credit, and Rena, I didn't really look her in the eye first or last. I think I bought her drink or an appetizer at the next place whoopty fucking do i couldn't really and it's not like i can go in and you know oh i'll buy the meal you know because like eight people were sitting down they all had way more money than i did it wouldn't have meant much anyway so i couldn't really buy my way out of it or talk my way out of it and usually i can at least talk my way out of it but each time i addressed it they act like it didn't even happen and uh it took a while But Jim now, I think, you know, I'll have to get him on again soon. Jim now would laugh, and he does laugh, but because looking back, of course, there's a level of comedy to it, but that was the worst, most embarrassing moment that I remember in my life. In my life, I do. I remember one more comment that was ignorant I made when I was 15 years old, and uh, yeah, I, I won't go there because it's actually rude, but um, and, and that that was more embarrassing because I was rude, but that was to one person and I realized I shouldn't have said it. And I was just embarrassed because of my demeanor. But this was different. This was embarrassing on all kinds of different levels. And uh, yeah, it probably remains the most embarrassing time of my life. So there you go. There's a story that I'm probably going to color up a little bit. I hope it wasn't too long, but that, for example... It's hard for me when I think of that not to write it down. Now, is it going towards a book? I don't know. But it went somewhere. I just told you. If it ends there, because I'd kind of forgotten. Someone brought it up the other day. I'll never forget that. But I hadn't talked about it in a while. And it's not something that just jumps into my mind. So that's why I write it down, right? So... I mean, I often get out of here and encourage people to you know, do that. Like if something comes into your head and you're artistic at all, like that in itself, might I, I might make that in itself. Maybe it won't be a book. Maybe it'll be a short film. I think you could make that, you know, in under 10 minutes. I think as short as be under 15. But uh, give me eight or nine minutes. I think I could make that at least somewhat watchable, right? Um, and add a little bit of fiction. I mean, there's enough there anyway, but if you add a little bit, That's the beauty of, that's what I love about writing the things that I write when it comes to, uh, now there's only one on YouTube, The Stand-In. I don't know if you guys know that, but I didn't really release it as a short film. I just wrote it and I put it out there. Um, I sent it to a bunch of directors and casting agents and all those things. I don't even know if that's what you're supposed to do, but that's why I did that film. But there, there, so not everything I do comes to fruition. Some I might, you know, add to a book, and of course, the fiction stuff I don't. But if you watch that, there you go. Just I don't, you know, it's there. I don't even talk about it, so I don't think it has many views or anything. But it's Terry Ryan, the stand-in, and a stand-in is you got to know what that is first. But you stand in for the actor and the actors. When they rehearse and they come in and they block and then they rehearse, the actors go back to get their hair and makeup usually done. The lighting team comes in with the grips and, you know, they light the scene while well, a stand-in stands in the position that the actor, that's why a stand-in is usually the same, around the same height and weight as the actor that they're doing, that they're standing there for. So the lighting and everything can can fit the scene. And usually stand-ins, in my experience, are actors or either former actors or if you want to call it failed actors. In this case, it's a failed actor. Okay. And uh, anyway, so there, if you want to get a little glimpse into what goes through my mind, and there's a lot of reality in there. This is a actor that used to be big and kind of played his cards wrong. You know, clearly there's a thread there of my hockey career. I didn't see that when I was writing it, but a lot of people have brought it up. But anyway, that's it. So... And that's an example of taking a real story and then adding a little bit of color to it, some fiction, and having a final product. So maybe it'll come out in a cameo. Maybe someone will want a story about music or whatever. But writing it down is only to my benefit. So now that I thought of it, and I actually thought of it, my friend we, and I were talking about embarrassing moments. We were at the bar. And it just kind of... Jim Cuddy came up, and I was like, oh, fuck, there's one. So when a story so good, in my mind, good, maybe you hated it, or at least worth revisiting, comes up in conversation, and I go, oh, yeah, I kind of haven't thought about that in a while. Then I'm aware like another two years might go by, and I'm not going to think about it. So I write it down. So then what happens is that at the end of a year or two, you probably got, I don't know, 20 stories there. And there, that's my books, right? Uh, so some of them are are journals already written. Some of them are part of a journal that I might revisit. So not all of it. I Like I just wrote the Jim Cuddy story. Well, it happened to me seven years ago or eight or whatever. So it's not like that. A lot of times I'll go back to the hotel or wherever and I will write it down. I'll go, you know what? I just met Wayne Gretzky. That was a crazy time. And I'll go and write about it. But there are often things that I revisit. That's why I phone people to make sure that the story, because I don't want to put anything out there that's not true even a little bit. So I phone people that might have experienced it with me and go through it and say, and in this case, Jim, I, I had explained it on a podcast I did with him before just listen but um I don't know how I got there either but I guess it kind of comes back how how do you plan your podcast how do you write the first question so there that's a, a little bit of both anyway there you go that that's how I come upon that's how I do what I do. Uh, we've been going on and on, and I ramble, but uh, Zach Dean, yeah. So Zach Dean, Team Canada played last night. Kid from Newfoundland, kid from Mount Pearl, who wears who's wearing number fourteen, and where's number fourteen? I like that. So there's only so much many of us from Mount Pearl. This guy's from Mount Pearl, and he went in the first round of the NHL draft. Zach Dean. His parents are from out around Central, but uh, he's from in here. He's uh, so we have that in common. He wears number fourteen, plays for Team Canada shoots left is a forward there's lots of things that we have in common so i really hope he has a great tournament now he scored a goal and uh and then in the exhibition you know the pre-tournament they've been flying but they played Czech yesterday and he took a hit and he hit a guy and it ultimately cost them the game i think they scored check check has scored two or three power play goals while he was in the box serving a five minute major. My thoughts is that, no, I don't think it was a penalty. If it was, if you're going to give him two minutes, I don't know where the five minute came from. I don't. To me, Zach did a great job. The guy, he waited for the player to square up. A lot of people go in there and they finish the hit, like kind of from the side, which ends up being from behind. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, or you're not into hockey, just Google. um, I guess everybody listens to this must have some knowledge of hockey. Uh, Google, you know Zach Dean hit. I just watched it again, and you know they're saying head first. Look, just in my experience, a lot of these hits, and it, you know, like any head contact, whatever, you're out of the game. Well, a lot of the time your head is there. If your head's fucking down, even if I try to hit you in the chest. Now, as a player, all those, a lot of hits that like knock the wind out of me. When you slow them down and look back. Like part of my head got hit first, but it doesn't take the brunt of it. So I think we've made everything into this head check. Sometimes your head like briefly hits a shoulder, but it's your body that takes it. And in this case, that's it. Zach Dean didn't go in there and run his head. No fucking way. Look at the hit. He waited for him to actually square up his body. I thought it was a hockey school hit. I really did. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but if I'm wrong, It's a two-minute, not a fucking five-minute major and thrown out of the game. Hard work. Waiting. There's got to be something. He waited. He waited for this player to turn around, and he cranked him. And Zach Dean is a good four-checker. He's a good hitter. And I would say, Zach Dean, if you're listening, you're not. Why would you be fucking listening to this right now? But I will see him at some point, and uh, I'll tell him. You do that. Do that all camp, you have a better chance to make the team. So, you know, these Canadian players too, there's eight of them from the NHL this year. There's a bunch more that are going to get drafted next year, Bedard is five months away from being first overall, six months away. Uh, We got a bunch of people playing a North American game. And if I looked at that, I'd be fucking proud of them. The World Juniors, as much as we want to win, and I want them to win, and rah-rah, and go Canada, and all that. And I really do. I sit and I, I, I hang on every fucking play. I love watching. But in the end, if it's one or the other, Zach, if I'm fucking the Las Vegas Golden Knights, who we got drafted to, and I'm watching that, I'm saying, great fucking forecheck, kid. Right? Do it in an NHL camp, and you look great. Especially if the guy you hit comes back at you. Right? Yeah, you want to fuck around? Let's go. But unfortunately, when you're dealing with Czechia, Guys flopping around like it's like it's soccer. Right. Comes back. Oh, he's woozy. His head's fucked up. He's back playing the next goddamn shift on the power play. Don't give me that. Fucking Zach Dean gone then for the fucking game. Give me a fucking break. Where are you getting these officials? Where the fuck are you getting? I knew it. I knew when he went over and announced he wouldn't be able to understand from Germany somewhere, whatever. Never saw a physical game in their fucking life. They wouldn't know it if it fucking slapped them upside of the fucking head. What a body check is. Fucking idiots. I would fucking ref in a game with a bunch of NHLers finishing their hits. Dump it in. Fuck you. But it's a goddamn penalty when you don't see it anymore. And you fucking officiate a bunch of wusses all the time. And that's what it is. The big fucking. I like it. I like playing on the big surface. I really do. I got nothing bad to say about European hockey until until they start flopping around. I know it happens here, but it happens more over there. And that yesterday is an example. If that's the NHL and that fucking guy comes back afterwards, I go right after him because you got to pay the piper. And, and, And usually the ref won't make that call in the NHL. And if he does... Uh, he might call a dive on the other player for milking it. That it's international. It doesn't happen like that. So you got to sit there, grind your fucking teeth. Zach had to skate off in shame, humiliation, 10,000 fucking strong in Halifax, chairing on Team Canada. And we got to watch that. A humiliated player dejected with his head down like Charlie Brown in his blanket, go to the fucking dressing room, because he just went out and succeeded at making a good hit. Honestly, it's hockey school. I'm going to slow that down and show it in hockey school. I'm not going to tell anybody what happened. And I'm not even going to, I'm just going to say, this is how you make a hit, kids. Because he could have hit him with the fucking, with, with his, on the numbers. Like, it like happened so much in hockey that we're trying to get rid of. But he didn't. The guy fucking squared up. And Zach hit him hard. Now, it's a fucking short tournament, isn't it? And Zach Dean has a long career ahead of him. And that motherfucker that flopped around, that flopped around like he was dead, he doesn't unless he smartens the fuck up. Because if he pulls that in the NHL, it might get worse. Yeah, fight will be the fucking least of your worries. Because if I saw that happen to my teammate on Team Canada... And you got drafted to my team, I'd cross-check you in the fucking orbital bone, you fuck. Now you want to flop around? You want to act like, oh, picking at his face like he had a cut. Pick the fucking scab or some shit. I'll give you a reason. I'll break your fucking nose with my fucking stick. How's that, you cunt? Fucking pisses me off. Zach's out there proud. Newfoundland was fucking sitting on pins and needles. I'm in Mount Pearl. You could hear the fucking car horns going off when the game started. When Zach skates out, man. Dropped into two bars. I was on the way home. I dropped into two bars to watch the first period. George Street just walking. So, And fucking both places with the game on, no music, packed, watching a product of Mount Pearl, Zach Dean, go out and make us proud. And he goes in and what does he do? He fucking works his hardest. That's why we know and love him. He does what every Newfoundlander wants to do when they put skates on. Work their fucking hardest and win. And he went in there like a man on a mission and delivered a great hit. Only to watch him then be called, watch the ref then call him for not only a penalty, a five-minute major and check goes and fucking Scores out and wins the goddamn game because of it. Fuck me. Jesus. That's why I often don't talk about hockey on here because it fires me up. My day's half ruined now because of this, which is selfish. <laughs> Zach's day, I'm sure, it was ruined yesterday. But I'm just saying it gets me fucking fired up. Fuck. And then keep calling it. And then like five minutes later, another fucking check guy. We got called for tripping, and there was no trip. There was no stick even close. A little tap on the calf going down like you're shot with a fucking AK-47. What the fuck? Anyway, we always have to deal with that. I don't call out many countries, but I got to be honest. It happened in ball hockey. You go on, Google Justin Pender ball hockey, and he got all kinds of shit for kicking the shit out of a guy. I was on the floor for that one, 2013. We lost, and they rubbed it in. It was Slovakia at the time. Same thing, though, flopping around, taking penalties. Fuck. It bothers me more than anything. And those guys do it a lot. Czech and fucking slow. It's all Czechia now, is it? Czechia, whatever the fuck. Now, players over here do it too. I know it happens, but it gets called out. And over here, NHL teams don't generally like to fucking see it. Pull that in camp and you're fucking likely cut. But this motherfucker does it at the world juniors and he's rewarded. So he can go fuck himself. The Czech team can go fuck themselves. Or Checky, Checky now they say. Checky. 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 Go fuck yourselves. Really? That's bullshit. I find it as unsportsmanlike as spitting in somebody's face. Had some great friends from there too. Miloslav Guren was my roommate. I mean, I get it. I don't want to generalize. I hate to fucking just, you know, it's it's my subjective viewpoint because of all this, but I. It's it's hard for my fucking thoughts not to be scarred when I watch someone from my hometown that wears my number that's got a Canadian flag on get kicked out for something that he should be fucking rewarded for. It really really bothers me. It bothers me to watch the particular player that got hit. Hey, you know what? The other thing is we've all to some level taken a dive. That was a lot. I've never done one like that in my career, but I'm sure late in the game, I might've embellished a trip at some point to get a penalty. I guess it might be human nature, but don't go off like you're goddamn shot, grabbing your head, grabbing your neck, and then walk back onto the bench and go out and play. On the power play, that's bullshit. It should be noticed, and if that happens, he should be fired out of the game as well. I, I, I don't know. It shouldn't have to get to that point, but if we keep allowing dives, and if, offici- if officials keep letting it go, I, I mean, the NHL, you can say a lot, people get pissed off, and was this in, was that in, what's a penalty, what's not? But generally, you can't get away with that shit. Because if the referee doesn't call it, someone is going to kick the fucking shit out of you. That's the way it goes. Fighting is on its way out. I know people keep saying, I don't think it is. I think there's less of it. And I I think people are leaving themselves open. They don't practice it a lot or whatever. Whatever you might say, you know, there's knockout punches are dangerous and all that, I know. But, you know, we say it's on the way out. There was still like 300 fights last year. You know what I mean? Like, it's a sport where there's fighting. And I swear, there's still emotion. And again, I would grab that guy in camp. As a Canadian, he'd be fucked. Because if he landed in my camp, just on that one play, I don't give a fuck. I'm looking at it, and I'm coming for you. You embarrass my nation, you motherfucker. If you're in St. John's, and you need... New tires. You need car service. Check out Mr. Lube. Locations on Torbay Road and Kemo Road. Live, Laugh, Lube. If you want to make a life change, you want to work out like I am, and you want to dedicate yourself to positivity, strength, balance, body, mind, check out Power Conditioning on Rope Walk Lane. Ryan Power. Uh, power Conditioning on Instagram, and I believe... No, I'm not sure what the website is, but just check that out. Pitbull Pain Relief. BipoPainRelief.com. Those pain sticks, I swear by them. They really help me. I'm at a point in my athletic career. I really need them. Check that out online. And They also have some other <coughs> gadgets that you might uh, you, you might be interested in. Uh, true Hockey Take What's Yours. Of course, folks, if you're downtown St. John's and you want to have a beer, check out Greensleeves, check out TJ's Pub. Go to Rob Boy Confusion. Why not? Greensleeves, why not? The Bull and Barrel and Trinity Pub. And If you're going for a bite to eat, why not do it at Blue on Water, Merchant Tavern, or Wedgwood Cafe? Those are my favorite places, but remember, support local. Get out there. Be well. Support local. Vote. Go Canada. Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. And uh, Zach Dean, the future's bright. And there's a lot of good in your future. And I think they're going to bounce back. Congrats, Zach. I'm making Mount Pearl and myself proud. This has been episode 135A, Tales with TR. We'll be back in just a couple of days with the always interesting Blake Murphy. Catch you on the rebound.